and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Today we have Sister Maria of the Trinity with us, and we're actually going to have this as two episodes so we'll have today's and in two weeks we'll have the second part of this conversation but sister maria is going to be telling us a little bit about um, what she does with gospel of life disciples today and we're going to continue the conversation um, into how we honor our parents as they age welcome sister thank you Good to be with you. Uh, What a blessing. Yes, my name is Sister Maria of the Trinity, and I actually um, was born in Oklahoma, grew up in Minnesota, and then the Lord called me back to Oklahoma as a call within my call in my consecrated life. And it's just been a real blessing to be here. And while I planned on being married and having a gazillion kids, um, the Lord had another type of motherhood in mind for me, and that's sort of being a midwife for souls to accompany the vulnerable and frail elderly as they um, age and pass from this life to the next. And so our ministry with the Gospel of Life Disciples and Dwellings is um, dedicated to this pro-life mission and ministry of welcoming as family those who either don't have family or don't have finances and find themselves in need due to a terminal illness or um really advanced age. So it's good to be with you. And I just really feel blessed to be in the company of uh, these beautiful women. Um, I like both Catholics and at coffee. So <laughs> I, take a, I take a cafe au lait after living in France for so many years. But, uh, oh, yes. anyway. There's nothing like French coffee. It's That's right. It's bread true. and coffee. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, and I admire that you accepted the challenge during that time of COVID to come together to support one another and support others via this uh, medium of a podcast. Now, I have to admit, I, I came over from Camp Olog, where there's a discernment retreat for young women, and it's been a wonderful couple days. And I asked three people, why is a podcast called a podcast? <laughs> Since I've only ever been on one, I think, in my life, and it didn't record. And um, <laughs> so I, uh, I said to smile because I was at Mass before I came, and I kind of live life by acronyms. I prepared to go to confession and have a little acronym for that. Or if I go to the store, you know, I don't know. Let's come up with uh, an acronym like PEACE. So you need peanut butter, eggs, apple juice, carrots, and eggplant. I don't know. So (laughs) that's how I get through life. That's how I got through nursing school. And so unbeknownst to me, this acronym came up during mass. And I said, I don't know if this will have anything to do with what they wanted to have but for podcasts the word pod kept coming back to me and I'm like Lord I'm just trying to concentrate on mass and so I kept so I thought okay I'll go there and then I'll be able to concentrate on mass and Archbishop gave a beautiful homily on the gospel today of Matthew um, 16 who do you say that I am mm-hmm. and I guess I was thinking about our identity as women whether we be married and living out the vocation to marriage and motherhood and the spouse or where we're living out a spiritual motherhood in consecrated life. And that was, we had someone come and speak about 
her discernment of marriage, and we had other sisters sharing their discernment to consecrate a religious life. And I felt that the similarities were there, that it reaches all of us as women. Um, we're called, first of all, the pea and pod. I felt it's like for that presence we have um, in our identity as a daughter of the Father, to be present to that presence with a capital P of the one who created us and has called us, um, who has a plan and a purpose for our life. I, I just really pray that the 30 young women that were there, wherever and however God calls them, would know that they're a beloved daughter of God and he has a plan and a purpose for them. So the P and for me tonight for the podcast was that entering into prayer and praise for the gift we have as, as a daughter, a beloved daughter of the Father. And as I was praying the Luminous Mysteries coming over here, that's the first Luminous Mystery is the baptism in the Jordan. You are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter. And that, I, that sonship and daughterhood we have in Christ um, as adopted children of the Father and beloved daughters. So that was the P, that uh, presence to God's presence in, in his plan and his purpose for us. And the O, um, it's really that obedience we're called to, that the obedience the Son shows us. And for me, it was that obedience and faith that um, is living a commitment. And it ties in, believe it or not, to what we were going to talk about tonight of the commandments mm -hmm. we've received and the commandment to honor thy father and mother. So we'll come back on that. But it's that relationship with Christ, the Son, and it's a spousal relationship for all of us because he's the bridegroom of our souls. And some live out a spousal union um, and that called where the two become one in holy matrimony. And that oneness is also true for the bride of Christ in consecrated life. And in Christ, we're all called to be sisters. It's kind of Charles de Foucault is mm, called the universal friend. brother. Mm. Well, we're called to be universal sisters in Christ. Um, so we're daughters, we're spouses, we're sisters. And then that led us to the D, which is um, to become a dwelling place for God in the spirit, that um, we have a motherhood in the spirit. You have a true motherhood to these beautiful children, the little guy running around here. <laughs> and, um, but also I believe in our ministry and accompaniment um, with the dying, we have a real motherhood, a, a real midwifery to mm -hmm. the soul that is being born into eternal life. And so um, we're drawn into that eschatological reality of you're called to get your spouses to husband to heaven. Mm -hmm. You're called that's that's the, the purpose of the marriage, and we're called to accompany others and point to as consecrated religious to the reality that. This world is not all there is. The kingdom begins here, but we're made to be with God for all eternity so that that dwelling place we're called to is also the, the new and eternal Jerusalem. So anyway, that was the POD I got during Mass and said, I'll get it out there and people can do what they want with it. But it was just that identity of being a daughter of the Father, a spouse of Christ and a, a sister in Him to all, and then to be the dwelling place for the Spirit that maternity that is ours to be fruitful and faithful by the grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit um, and something that wells up to eternal life. So, yeah. um, I absolutely love that term that you've used, midwife for souls. Yeah. I, I, I haven't heard you use that before. Well, we, I, I, 
I'm glad. And it's, it's, so, it's so beautiful. And it's and so it like, really, is. really what you do. Yeah. And we just finished a book study for the, uh, we had a summer book club. So when we do the Gospel of Life School, there's more academic um, activities. But it's really to prepare a foundation for lifetime discipleship. And that D and pod is also for that discipleship. We're all called to whatever our particular state in life is. Um, we're called to work together for the good of the church. And that complementarity of vocations is, I draw much strength from, we have this gospel life school, so beginning on August 15th, um, we have new ones coming to live in and we'll have an orientation. And others are open to be living life cards, even if they're not young. But there is a particular program for young people to ground them in discipleship. But the classes will be open. There's one on the first pillar of the catechism, so on the creed. will be on Tuesday nights. Um, and then on Thursday nights will be an introduction to the Bible. And um, so those can be obtained for credit or they can just be audited. And um, they're free for our live-in lifeguards. It's kind of one of the perks. But um, what we did during the summer was a book study on Midwife for Souls. So it was actually, and it was for all ages and backgrounds of our live-in lifeguards, but also for others who want to be part of that. So that's one, the, that was the title of the the in the book. Oh, okay. It's written by a Catholic nurse in from the Fort Worth area. Okay. And so I have copies. If anybody would like one, I'm happy to share it with you. And it kind of speaks of some of the challenges of the particular time of transitioning from this world to the next. But it also brings in some of the challenges that come with caregiving and mm -hmm. caregiving for those that maybe are not cooperating the way we might think is best. So that brings in some of the challenges that I think we find um, and so I, I think it's a good read. It's an easy read. Yeah. Um, I don't know, because my son was running around, if you discussed what gold is and what you do at gold. Just, um, I touched on it, but in, mm -hmm. a, in a nutshell, it's gold stands for Gospel of Life Disciples and Dwellings. And I didn't make that up. That was actually just kind of received. Um, that's a whole other story for maybe a whole other time. And uh, the grace that has been given to us and the beauty and the challenge for a time such as this is to just really uphold the inherent dignity of every life from womb to tomb, from conception till natural death. But our particular um, mission and ministry is, is kind of oh so humble and hidden in many ways, like being a mom <laughs> in that patient education of the children. Ours is that patient every day of cooking and cleaning and doing laundry but this time they're not for our own progeny. They're for those that the Lord gives us that don't have someone at the end of their life to be family for them. And so in the name of Christ, we take them as family. So gold is just a, a gospel family, kind of a motley crew, a ragtag team of different ages and backgrounds and cultures and educational levels. Um, men and women. Men and women, exactly. And the Lifeguards are those live-in volunteers that care for these persons at the end of their life. Or there are also others that come in for a day or for an hour or drop off a meal. So anyone who helps with the ministry is considered a lifeguard, a guardian of these lives that we want to accompany at this very vulnerable time um, where our world says, you know, you kind of are what you do. You count because of what you have or how you look. And when you're old or frail or terminally ill or without finances 
or without a familial support, you have none of those quote unquote important markers that say you're somebody in our society today. So that time of vulnerability becomes a real reciprocal gift where yes, we're of service, but we're also receiving from them, Mm -hmm. from their wisdom, from their life challenges, from their history. And so gold is really a simple gospel family um, where the end of this life's journey is accompanied, we hope with faith, hope, and love, and we welcome each one where they are. If they know Christ, all the better. There's opportunities to grow and deepen in trust and in hope for God's plan. If there's wounds and no relationship with Christ, it's a time where, with no strings attached, you can just be accepted and loved as they are. Now, do we do this perfectly? No. But we get up every day and try again, just like parenting. <laughs> and um, so it's it's very simple, and yet it's a challenge. And it's maybe not pretty, but it is beautiful. I think the Gospel of Life School, which grew out of this ministry, just as a request from God, one day I was at Mass, and I just received it as like, honestly, marching orders as a command. And I was like, but, but Lord, you forget I'm a nurse and I know nothing about teaching and I think somebody else should do a discipleship school. You know, we're just taking care of your terminally ill and your old folks. Remember, you know, that's, what does that have to do with the young people? Mm, And he really, everything, he impressed it upon me as a school of discipleship and even more so a school of life. What we were talking about, some of the, the, you know, the art of sitting down together at a meal and maybe even preparing the meal. Um, of doing laundry and hanging it out on the line, but they're doing it for someone and caring for them and, and throwing a birthday party like we did on Monday for Fermin, who is nobody that we know of in this world, and showed up at Gold with 42 cents in his pocket. And um, he didn't die. Uh, and thanks be to God, God had more living for him. And um, he's not been with us five years. So I get sort of criticized because most hospice houses have people for a week or a month or, you know, maybe a couple months. But we, we aimed at the last year of life and the Lord has given some of them anywhere from three to seven years. Now we've also had people from, you know, 36 hours to a week. So we just kind of leave that in God's hands and let him be the master of life and death. And um, so I would say gold is simply God's work for a time where before this birth and death happened within the nuclear family. So generations were welcomed and grandparents would help with grandkids. And not that it was perfect, but then grandkids and children would be at the bedside of an aging and dying parent. And now with people scattered geographically, or in fractured or broken situations um, of composed and recomposed families, or of, you know, whatever the reasons may be, um, people living longer and the strain maybe being greater on sort of the children being sandwiched between children and grandchildren and their parents. And I remember I, I was very, very much blessed that my parents, in, when I was growing up in Minnesota, brought my 
grandparents from Oklahoma City because um, one child lived in Texas, my father lived in Minnesota, and one other daughter lived in Olympia, Washington, and there was nobody left in Oklahoma City, and they were close to 90 and couldn't stay at home anymore. And my parents brought them to Minnesota to have them live with us, and it was a great grace and a great challenge, and I really believe that through that God was planting seeds and preparing me to see both the beauty and the challenge. And I remember one day my father, I was maybe a junior or senior in high school, and he came to me and he said, I feel like I have to choose between my mother and my wife because it was wearing my, my mother had five children and getting up at nights and we'd even hired in some help. But it's it's hard, you know, when you have a newborn, people rally around and eventually the newborn right. starts sleeping <laughs> through the night. But an aging parent, does it doesn't necessarily go in getting easier. Right. And I remember my father just being distraught. And um, and I and my mother did a beautiful job caring with and for her mother-in-law, my, my grandmother we called Nanny. Um, and I saw the beauty of this aging couple and they all they had to offer to us children, it was a real treasure. But it was also sometimes I had to stay home from going out with my friends to be with my grandparents. You know, like some older siblings may resent staying home with their you know, the kid brothers and sisters, but it's the same dynamic, but we, that was a huge blessing, but so many people don't have that opportunity. And I know my mother always felt badly. So my grandmother then, um, was, was in a nursing home, but my mother was very present to her and she left Minnesota to come be with her own mother who had surgery here in Oklahoma. And while she was gone, there was some care that wasn't taken care of for my grandmother, she ended up in the ICU and ended up dying after a very difficult, I don't know, week or 10 days. And I, my mother said, I know if I'd been there, Nanny wouldn't have died. She, she fell into, you know, uh, an intestinal yeah. obstruction. Yeah. Which you're hard to spot. And right. The and the nursing home didn't late. get it. But had my mom been the one, she would have noticed that very right. sort of fundamental um, need of, of daily life. And um, and so it, it, it was bittersweet. We had them for that time. And I, I don't say my, my mother did everything she could for, but, um, and I was just the other day, my, my I was blessed here and more to take care of my own father the last 10 months of his life. I drove him up from Minnesota, or down, I guess, directionally south, um, after he had COVID and they were isolated in a very wonderful place but being cut off from children and grandchildren and my mother having no support able to come in, it was going to be too much with my aging father's both cognitive and physical limitations and challenges. And so we looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. We piled everything in the car and I just drove them south and prayed he wouldn't die on the way. Right. And we had 10 wonderful months here, um, but it takes a village. It, it, it's not something one person can do. And so we were blessed to have the ministry and, and help in, in, in my experience. But um, my grandmother, so his mother, I remember her patiently teaching me as I learned to shuffle a deck of cards. Did you teach me to do the bridge? You know, where it goes like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so this past week, we were together for a few days with my nieces and nephews, so the next generation. And I taught little Catherine to make a bridge as she shuffled. We were playing uh, skip bow or uno or something 
And so she was shuffling and I said, hey, do you want me to show you what nanny taught me? And I remember her old kind of trembling Parkinsonian arthritic fingers doing that, but she was sharp as a tack. Mm -hmm. And she patiently taught this little girl that I was how to do that. So then this, I don't know, was quite as patient or dexterous, but I taught my little niece the beginnings of a, of a how to do the bridge when you're shuffling. And I thought, you know, that's not much, but it's a little something that, you know, we need to learn from one another and pass on life skills. And that's why I said we, we look forward to my other grandmother was a, a queen of canning, quilting, and making um, her own preserves and, and canning things and had a garden like yours and, and made her own wine and her own bread and had, you know, her own churned butter from her cows and, you know, could fry up her own chickens and, you know, taught us how to make chicken gravy and those kind of things that those are skills that I believe gold is in a pivotal place for people that don't have that grammar or that mother to teach them that part of our gospel of life school and the offerings of the gospel of life disciples and dwellings will be just these skills for life. As we seek to grow in our discipleship, we also grow in what can give meaning and depth to just the fabric of daily life. So we spend a lot of time around the table and um, we spend time playing dominoes or rummy or joining each other in prayer. We, we include the, the people that live with us in evening prayer of the church. So we, we project it in bigger letters up on the wall. And even those that aren't Catholic, it's, mm -hmm. it's what is it? It's, you know, Psalms and scripture readings at a time of intercessory mm -hmm. prayer in the heart of the church. And so it's a way of gently exposing some of the treasure of the church to others that maybe don't share our Catholic faith, but um, have a rich tradition or maybe have no tradition, but it's a way we can meet together in that. Um, so I love how there's so something that you do at Golden is a first Saturday fundraisers and bringing in the community and like right. such a variety of things, whether it's you have things that are for, for all ages, for the kids right. or something more, more geared towards uh, the adults with like maybe the day retreats Retreat, or something. Sure. Um, but I know that my family personally has um, been very blessed. Oh, well, it's been a mutual blessing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and we just resurrected those because, you know, COVID right. kiboshed it. And so we started our first Saturday Mass in the renovated dairy barn where it could be more spread out or outdoors. Mm -hmm. And and now we've, you know, we've all had COVID a couple of times. And I just put on my calendar for January of next year to I get know. my, my yearly antibodies. And um, so I I just feel like we're we're blessed to be living in a, a time where there isn't fear. We we all got COVID. Yeah. 13 of us did, and Annie was kind enough to set up a meal train. We, we all survived, and that was almost a miracle because there was 96-year-olds, 7-year-old, 98-year-old, 99-year-olds. But I think the, the secret of that was, I mean, we did our best to give good nursing care, but I think the real secret was they weren't alone and isolated. Mm -hmm. They had somebody there that knew their name, knew their history, cared for them, and they weren't alone. And they had the interior fortitude to rally. And... And so when we got it this year, rather than keep the well people in the house and the sick people in the barn, I kicked out all the well people at two o'clock in the morning over to the house in South Oklahoma City 
kept all the sick people in the house and nobody else got it. The domino effect was stopped. Yeah. I don't know if that was just sheer inspiration or just kind of luck or God's providence. But so we've resurrected that those Saturday events. We had a sock hop and we had a, a prom night in June. And then we did a retreat. And um, what I think we're going to do now is do one Saturday a month. Probably keep the first Saturdays. That's open to discussion. But do one social event a quarter. Do one spiritual retreat type event a quarter. One more formative. Um, like we've done stuff on the spirituality of caregiving. Or accompanying the dying. Or... Um, working with people with dementia, you know, so we've had, and some of those I think might be, I can find out if they're available. If not, we can make them available either on the gospel of life school webpage or on the YouTube channel. I never look online on anything, <laughs> so I can't tell you, but I'll, I'll, I'll find out. And then um, another one could be incorporating in the, this either new school year or the new coming new calendar year, the, um, the life lessons, whether it be the quilting or the sewing or the, you know, we have a beehive, you know, what are the basics of beekeeping and those kind of things. And, and I know none of that. I know bits and pieces of it from my grandmother, but I was sort of a stuck up city girl. Yeah, I didn't mean to be, but I thought like, I, 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 I didn't realize the wisdom in that. I preferred to go to the city grandparents that belonged to the country club and had an endless supply of chewing gum. Until I got older and realized the treasure, well, of both sides. Mm -hmm. There was a wisdom and a beauty and a fun in both. But there were things I could have and should have learned about bread making, about um, gardening, about things that I treasure now. Um, and so, but we, we live and learn. And so I love how you share your collective wisdom as wives and mothers for the sake of others so that we can have a cooperative that helps us be courageous in a time that's divided and difficult that we can be, you know, live the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace that our hearts long for, that even a religious committed to Christ can find herself busy. And the, the devil would like to make us, can't make us bad, he'll make us busy. Mm -hmm. And so just an intentional slowing down and intentional intentionality in our relationships and in what we spend our time doing. Well, that's so. what I love, like, while you're talking, there's all these things that you're doing. Like, it sounds like a whole lot. Like, some people might go, oh, how she does so much. And, and really, how do you do so much? But, um, <laughs> but like, you know, you're talking about the fundraisers and the school and taking care of the residents at your at the dwellings. And, and I just think, but it all comes back to, I just keep hearing this theme over and over and over again, that... It's all about sharing these simple moments with each yeah. other and these joyful, the joyful time that you have together, just right. coming together and in the simplicity. Well, it does. It's very busy and there's lots of things going on. There's still a simplicity in the coming together, and I just right. hear this like ongoing theme with all, all the things that you do. That's kind of what I was getting at with when I was mentioning us. Yeah. There was, I was going to say it's just been a really great opportunity for my kids to. It's for my, you know, my children to really experience this. I we've talked on this podcast how I took care of my dad, but when he uh, when he was sick and passed away, but that was before I had my oldest, and then my I took care of my grandma. Um, but my my oldest at that point was two. Well, yeah, two because the other one was about six months. Um, my second, so they 
haven't really experienced, haven't really experienced those things as, um, or my other kids like really, uh, taking care of the elderly in that same way that I, that I had. And I never did really when I was little either, but I just love having that opportunity for them to really come in and see the beauty there is in upholding that dignity at the very end and being able to really just, like I said, come together as a community. We, um, we had during, uh, 2020 my my two oldest had their birthday party in the barn at gold and then we went and they were they went trick-or-treating with the residents it was so and it was fun so fun all the kids went and like we, Remember we, my dad up my dad dressed up it was such <laughs> a fun party it was, it was uh yeah because my, my oldest birthday is the day before halloween so that's yeah. why i was like that's why we went trick-or-treating so i should say that but, it was but it, it was, was just, it was wonderful so just those little thing in the lifeguards dressed up and we had some different co- you know costumes for those that wanted to amongst the elderly or the the terminally ill and and it was just a day of joy and, yeah. and just to be able to be together and yeah i i think it's it's really about relationship and yeah. i think um it's and we welcome others to come for a time there was just a little 15 month old over there the other day and we have a nonverbal woman who's who's pretty young. She's in her sixties, but, um, has advanced Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. but to see her just light up, I could see her probably thinking back to her children. And there was just a joy that spread over her face, but it was mutual. Mm-hmm. The little girl didn't, yeah, there was no like complexity with this. It was just mm-hmm. relationship. And it was, you know, she was pretty nonverbal herself. So you have about the same word mm-hmm. capacity, the two of them. And it was, they communicated beautifully. Yeah through smiles and touch and eyes and it was, it, it's just wonderful. So it's, I think that's really the beauty of gold and it's very healing on both sides, you know? And so whether it be the young college age, the young adults that are part of the gospel life school, the people that live in lifeguards that might be young retirees or persons that have ended up there just for different reasons, whether it be um, those of us that are ex- exploring there's some that are aspiring to consecrated life and i i definitely i guess that's very much on my mind there's i think a hunger for an authenticity and that gift of self when god is calling someone to a specific spousal relationship and we're blessed um to have this emerging community this emerging franciscan ecclesial family to uh welcome as of this fall um, around the time of Christ the King or the first uh, Sunday in Advent, which is the new liturgical year, um, to welcome postulants for the first time and um, in an official way. And then there's also seminarians that want to be part of, like associated, so there'll, there'll be a place for um, priests and, and, and brothers to be associated with the ministry. And then there's a place also for uh, lay single and married families to be part of the extended gospel of life family and live that sort of radicality of of the gospel and simplicity and the compassion that Francis had in embracing and kissing the leper. And I know Noam's no, been um, on with you in part of this podcast. And one night her husband was out, we having a going away party for a few of the people that had done their gospel of life school year. And so we had a pool party and we had outdoor music and just a lot of people around and a lot of fun. And a couple of the old kids were there and they came in at the bedside of a woman who was dying of cancer. And we had a time of prayer and song. And 
it was so beautiful on the way home, their prayer for this woman. And from it also came a song that Max Marcotte wrote. And so we've just decided recently to do a CD of prayers that have been songs for this journey. And um, songs that have been prayers for the journey and prayers that become songs for the journey. And it's it's nothing like official or you know professional, but it's a way of honoring these people. But the presence of those children at the bedside was very moving reciprocally. And for this woman that had admittedly made some bad choices in her life and had burned some bridges and it had trouble living the fullness of her vocation as a mother, um, there was something beautiful and restorative and healing about having this gospel family with little children around her bedside ushering her home. And about four o'clock in the morning, we had just finished reading the Sunday gospel at her bedside. And it was the story of the storm at the sea that we heard recently. And Jesus said across, you know, the, the, with, to Peter, it is I, do not be afraid, come. And that was the last words she heard. The Lord said to her, come. And she crossed from this life to the next. And so those moments, um, intergenerational moments, I think are key of, um, in this reciprocity in the relationship. So we welcome volunteers. We welcome you back in full force now that we've uh, turned this cor corner on COVID. We were never afraid. We just had to follow the directives and, and be prudent. But um, it was kind of a time of survival, kind of like when all your kids like have the stomach flu and you don't know what, how you're going to get across around this. You know, it's just one of those times you feel like there should be a little bit of get out of purgatory free card or at least lessen the time. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, I still want my mother when I've got the stomach flu, you know, no matter how old I am. But I just, I, I feel like it was a time of grace in the desert and that isolation. And now we want to go deeper and renew those um, relationships. But it's also inspiring me to have an intentional silence and solitude to then be um, my better self because I felt like the Wicked Witch of the Southwest sometimes. You know, you just, I was like, just strained and, um, and, God's grace is sufficient, but we need time to um, recharge that. So at our St. John Paul II dwelling, we're currently building a little nun hut. And uh, I said, at least we're not calling it the nut hut. But, uh, <laughs> and so we're going to consolidate um, so that Martha, Mary, intentionality can be, yes, a Martha that serves, but not burdened with serving and not anxious okay. and agitated by be also being the Mary who listens at the feet of Jesus. And you all need that in your relationship to be with your spouse, mm -hmm. to listen so that you can better minister together in your vocation. And, and that's something that's just um, very much uh, the contemplative side of an active ministry that we're, we're nurturing in a, a very specific way. Um, so that's maybe a grace on this side of COVID. <laughs> So we will be offering retreats. Um, we were talking today about offering a prayer pilgrimage time when the shrine opens mm -hmm. um, to introduce people to the life and legacy of Blessed Stanley Rother. Mm -hmm. um, because he certainly benefited from that strong family faith life mm -hmm. that, that is, is exactly. Yes. 
So I think that was that's something you feel when you go to Old Karchi and you, you know, you know the virtues he had from living on the farm and and the fun and the work and the discipline that came from that is what gave him the courage to be that extraordinary ordinary martyr. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have a we have a great legacy here. Um, and I came to Oklahoma because of the literally the divine intervention of my maternal grandmother. And she's the one who said it's gold. I don't think there's any gold in Oklahoma. I was thinking of like the mineral. And then I thought, well, there was black gold and oil. And she didn't have any. The neighbor had the oil well. And then it came to me, Gospel of Life Dwellings. And I knew she had never read an encyclical. She had an eighth grade education. And with her deep faith, probably didn't even know what an encyclical was. But she had this real commitment to Christ and his church and lived it in the humble, simple, hardworking, ordinary every day and became a saint and passed that on to the future generations and then blessed to pass that on. And so we're called to pass it on to the next generation. And so I think gold really came out of that greatest generation that um, has gone before us and that I've been blessed to accompany many on, on the path home to heaven. And they've blessed me. So I hope in turn gold can be a blessing for others. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you.